0: Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to gather as a body of believers, Lord, just to sing praises to your name, now now to hear from your word as it speaks to us, Father. You have gifted us, Father, with, with an incredible gift of your word, Lord. Help us to hear it, Father, to understand it, to apply it to our lives, Father. Challenge us in what we learned this morning. Equip us, Lord, convict us if necessary, and may we leave here, Father, different. I pray through the power of the Spirit that we can be changed, Father, we can become more and more like your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray, amen. Take your Bibles and open to 1 Chronicles chapter 16, not Corinthians, 1 Chronicles, Old Testament. As you're finding 1 Chronicles chapter 16, let me just say I'm, I'm so thankful to be home, so thankful to be well. I, I greatly appreciate all the calls and the texts and the emails and, and all the things that came last week as I was sick. It's good to be home. Uh, it's good to feel better. And I want to tell you, I, I missed preaching. I missed being with you guys. I was uh, sad to miss last week, but very sick. And I, I just want to just kind of publicly say uh, thank you to our staff, to John Oliver especially. John got a call from me about 5 a.m. last Sunday morning. And when you're uh, on staff and your pastor calls you at 5 a.m. Sunday morning, bad things are happening. And so he did a great job, stepped right up, and I'm, I'm just so thankful for him. I'm excited about what's going on at Rosemont right now. I'm so excited about the Unity service last week. So upset that I missed it. I've been looking forward to that since Derek and I started talking about it and praying about it. I know it was incredible. I saw a video, a lot of people had video and posted. Amy came home just raving about how good it was. We'll do it again, I promise. He and I have talked about that and want to do that more than once. So that's not the first time. Excuse me, that was the first time, but it won't be the last. Excited about that, but I'm also excited about things that are coming up. This is Thanksgiving week. We'll talk a little bit more about that here in just a few minutes and what that means. But I'm looking forward to Christmas around here because we're going to do Mission LaGrange Christmas Edition. You've probably already seen that on the screen. There's a lot of neat things going on. We've got probably 10 or 12 or 14 local mission opportunities that we've kind of already got leaders for and ideas for you can plug directly into. And so if you're interested in being involved in some local mission work over the Christmas break, Mission LaGrange Christmas Edition is for you. I'm excited about that. There's going to be a prayer guide to go along with it. I'm going to be preaching about the incarnation of Christ and how he comes and lives among us. And it's our call to be missional in the things that we do. So you kind of just be in prayer for that. Of course, this is Thanksgiving week. I'm excited about Thanksgiving. I love the time of family and friends and eating too much food, right? Anybody else going to do that, watching a little bit of football? But if you're like me, sometimes the Lord has to kind of get your attention, you ever find yourself in a little bit of a rut, right? And, and I, I worry sometimes, especially this time of year, I think it's so good for us to set aside really this, uh, these few days and maybe even a week of, of celebration, Thanksgiving, to, to be reminded of the goodness of the Lord. Because if we're not careful, we forget how good we've got it. Like we just get in this rut, and we just are we just have so much stuff and so many nice things that we just forget. And sometimes the Lord uses simple little things to kind of wake us up. i, I uh, I'm on Instagram, and I was kind of thumbing through Instagram a week or two ago, and i I follow Gospel for Asia, which is a group that's trying to reach the people of Asia for Christ. Some of you may follow that. And this thing popped up. I want you to look at this picture. that just kind of shook me, right? There's a man and his two sons. I want you to look at what's said right here. You can't read it necessarily. I'll read it to you. He says, because I have this blanket, I am now able to protect my family from bitter cold. I'm able to sleep properly at night. It's boosted my morale. I know I am loved and cared for. All the glory goes to God for a blanket you know how many blankets I own I mean, like, I have four kids and we have friends over and they've all got two or three blankets on every bed probably. And we, we keep blankets in the closets and under the beds in case friends come over. And probably dozens and dozens and dozens of blankets. And I'm thankful for those blankets, right? They're good. And I just started thinking, you know, if one of you came up to me today and gave me a blanket like as a Christmas gift... That would be a nice thing. I would thank you for that, and it would mean a lot to me that you thought of me enough to bring me this gift. But I probably wouldn't say because of this blanket now, I'm able to protect my family from the bitter cold. I probably would not say that. I probably wouldn't say I'm able to sleep properly at night. I probably wouldn't say it's boosted my morale. And I really don't think I would say that because you gave me a blanket, I know I'm loved and cared for. All the glory goes to God. I doubt if I would say that. We've got it so good, we have so much, that sometimes God has to remind us, we better be thankful for what we have because all we have comes from Him. (laughs) And so I want to kind of think this morning about what blessing looks like. And what thankfulness looks like. And I think if I kind of went around the room this morning. And I put myself in this category. And I said to you, listen, name the things that you're thankful for. We probably would all say the same sorts of things. My family, my health, I've got a good job, I can provide, we've got enough food. All those things are good. And they are blessings. And we should be thankful for them, I would agree. But I believe, scripturally, there's something bigger than those things we need to be thankful for. I think there's more than just the things of this world because the things of this world matter and they're important and God has given them to us, but one day they will pass away. But the eternal will always be with us. And so I want to take a look at 1 Chronicles chapter 16 this morning and understand the thanksgiving we should have in our hearts based on who the Lord is in our lives. Now this was probably written about 500 years or so before the birth of Christ. But it's looking back, 1 Chronicles chapter 16 is looking back at a very specific time in the history of Israel. Now you may know this, you may remember this, but there was a time period where the people of Israel were removed from the promised land. They were removed by force from Jerusalem, taken to Babylon, kept in captivity, kept in exile for several decades. And while they were in exile, the Lord would continue to remind them. The Lord would continue to send through the prophets' words of wisdom. And what he would often say to them is, listen, I know you're in exile. I know you're struggling. But there are things still to be thankful for. There are things you need to look ahead as blessings of the Lord. You need to continue to trust in me. This is exactly one of those moments. First Chronicles chapter 16. In fact, my Bible title is beginning in verse 8. David's Song of Thanks. I'd like to begin by reading verse eight. It's on the screen as well. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. There it is. Call upon his name. Make known His deeds among the people. Sing to Him. Sing praises to Him. Tell of all His wondrous works. Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that He has done, His miracles and the judgments He uttered. O offspring of Israel, His servant, children of Jacob, His chosen and let's stop there for a second. There's something I want you to notice. First of all, the first truth I want you to see in this scripture, we have it on the screen, number one. We should be thankful because we serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Now that is a no-brainer to everybody in this room. Nobody just went, wow, I didn't know that. But are we living it? That's the real question. I feel like so much about, uh, of what we talk about in here on Sunday mornings is not like necessarily new to you. You have it in your head, but do you have it in your heart is the question. Right, are we really mindful that we serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Like the creator of the universe? Because we don't, we don't serve a, a weak God I went and looked up some of the Old Testament names of God, and many of you have probably done that in the past. There are all sort of dozens and dozens of different accounts in the Old Testament that kind of give us and explain to us the names of God. Psalm 148 calls him excellent. Genesis 35 calls him almighty. Psalm 57 says he's God most high. Jeremiah chapter 10 says he's the everlasting king. Revelation 19, 16 says he's the king of kings and the Lord of Lords. First Chronicles 16, what we just read, talks about his wondrous works, his holy name, and his miracles. Right? We we serve not some unknown God, but the creator of the universe. I think we far, far too often minimize that. I was driving in this morning very early, and, and when, you, when you come back, at least me, when I come back from Asia, oftentimes I'm jet lagged, which means I want to go to bed early and, and wake up really early. That's kind of how my brain's working right now. So I was up super early and, and came on in pretty early this morning, and I was driving well before the sun had come up, and I I kind of looked east as I was driving, and some of you may have seen this week, but kind of on the eastern horizon... Uh, when it was still really, really dark, right up just above the trees was just brilliant light, Venus. How many of you have seen Venus this week? Anybody seen it? A couple of you got to get up a little bit early to see it, I understand. Got to get up early because it goes down when the sun comes up. But it looked like somebody had a searchlight. I mean, it was brighter than any airplane. It was just, just brilliant. It's worth getting up for for the next few weeks. Brilliant, brilliant light in the sky. I was reminded of Psalm 19:1 and 2. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech. Night to night reveals knowledge. Isn't it neat how God gives us within the heavens a picture of his glory just to remind us in case we forget? Isn't it neat how he gives us the seasons that just about the time we get tired of the hot weather, it begins to turn cold? And just about the time we get tired of the cold weather, it turns hot? And just about the time we get tired of the trees, they change colors and lose their leaves and then do it all. Isn't how God kind of gives us these things to display his glory, to display his goodness, to show his power in our lives? The problem for far too many people is we walk through everyday life without remembering his greatness. We forget that we serve the king of the universe. We, We think sometimes we serve a weak God that can't do this or can't do that or won't do that. That's not true. That's not true. We just got back from South Asia, as many of you are aware, and and did some work in in India specifically and worked with some local partners there. And And I love going there because I love the people and I love what the Lord is doing there. And I don't do a good enough job of explaining kind of what we do. One of the things that we typically do there when we go, and it's every place we go, if you're new to our church, we travel all over the world to lots of different locations to share the gospel. But India is a little bit different because when we go to India specifically, we train local believers And we go and we share with them how to do certain things and how to teach and how to preach. And so we always kind of sit in a room with 8 or 10 or 15 or 20 local believers. And we share every day, all day, for the entire week. This particular time was a marriage conference, which was really cool. So the husbands and their wives came in. We shared with them about marriage. which, Which, by the way, you may or may not know this, but in India, marriages are arranged typically. About 95% of the marriages are arranged. And so, and I'm not, I'm not over-exaggerating this. It's very common for a man to kind of show up at his wedding and meet his wife 10 minutes before they get married. It's true. Very, very different than America, right? So we're able to teach about marriage and share what the Bible teaches about marriage, right? And, and, and I don't do a good enough job of explaining this, but every time our church goes and takes a team to South Asia, our church, through their tithes and offerings, pays for every bit of that training for these local believers. Like our local partners over there say if it weren't for us and the, and the funds that we bring, they would not be able to do these conferences like we do, these training opportunities. So we pay for transportation for these this particular time for the marriage conference, transportation for the men and women, food for them, lodging for them, training materials, everything they needed in order to be trained for this full week, we paid for. But one of the things I enjoy doing when I'm, when I'm there is kind of going down to the river, and many of you who have been to this particular place will understand the river and the importance of the river there, and how the river is holy to them. And so you go down to the river, and you see these people that get down in the water, and they bathe in the water, they drink the water, oftentimes very dirty water, they brush their teeth in the water, they worship in the water. And so what we typically do early one morning is we get up, many of you have done this, we go get on a boat, we kind of float down the river for probably two or three miles, and kind of just look at the shore and and watch this. And I'm always struck by this because in in my mind, in my heart, I know the truth. And I know the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I understand that so many of these people are deceived. They just don't understand what they're doing. And my heart just kind of goes out to them. And I always have this moment of wondering, like, how could they do this? How could they be confused? Uh, How could they worship these false gods and their, their... Probably millions of false gods in different parts of Asia. And I just wonder how how they could worship false gods and and really kind of buy into this. And then I come home to America. (laughs) And some of you know where I'm going with this. And I see the materialism of our country. The wealth of America is staggering, by the way, staggering. You have no idea. Like, I I sit in a room with people oftentimes in in other parts of the world, in this room that I was in the last week, and these people are probably making five or six dollars a day. That's true. And I come home to America where, where it seems as if, at least from the surface, we've been given everything. All of these good and pleasing gifts. And instead of taking those things and figuring out how to use those to leverage the kingdom and to share our faith and to bring glory to the Lord, we figure out how we can get more. And our materialism becomes an idol to us. And our wealth becomes an idol to us. And our status becomes an idol to us. And our beauty becomes an idol to us. And all of these things become idols to us. Not only do they fight for our attention, they fight for our allegiance. And we forget, if we're not very careful, that we're serving the true and living God, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're not serving materialism, we're not serving wealth, we're not serving beauty, we're serving the Lord. And we need to be reminded of His goodness, of His power. Of His mercy, but I want you to continue to look at verse 14. First Chronicles 16, now verse 14. He is the Lord our God, His judgments are in all the earth. Now, verse 15 and following, we're going to be reminded of the promise He made to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I'll come back to that in just a second. Verse 15 Remember His covenant forever, the word that He commanded for a thousand generations. The covenant they made with Abraham, his sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed to Jacob as a statute, to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying, to you I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. Verse 19, when you were few in number of little account and sojourners in it, wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people, he, this is the Lord, he allowed no one to oppress them. He, that's the Lord, rebuked kings on their account, saying, touch not my anointed ones, do my prophets no harm. We understand that we should be thankful because we serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But the second thing we see in this passage, description number two, is we should be thankful because our God provides. Our God provides provides. We're reminded of the covenant that the Lord established with Abraham. And you may remember the story I'm going to remind you of it in case you don't. In the Old Testament, the people of Israel were called upon in in the middle part of Genesis, basically through Abraham, to follow the Lord. And so you may remember several years ago, we worked through the book of Genesis and saw the people of Israel and how through Abraham they became the Israelites and eventually they found themselves in Egypt in slavery stayed there for about 400 years. And this is the power of the Lord in the 10 plagues. They were freed from Egyptian captivity, led into the wilderness. And because of their unfaithfulness and their unwilling to follow the Lord, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. But in the process, and this is the beautiful part about this picture, in the process, and, and there's a whole kind of sub idea here, and we could preach sermons on this idea. In the process of them being unfaithful, God was still faithful. Like even when they disobeyed the Lord and wandered in the wilderness, he didn't forget about them. He still remembered his promise. He was still faithful to them when they were not faithful to him. And so he talks to them about where they're going to go and what they're going to see. And there's this beautiful picture in Deuteronomy chapter 6. We have it on the screen. You don't have to flip there and look. You can put it in your notes if you want to look later. But I want you to notice what the Lord says speaking to the people of Israel, looking ahead one day to the promised land. Here's what he says. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing. Watch this. Cities that you did not, what? Build. Verse 11. Houses filled with all kinds of good things that you, what? Did not provide. Wells that you, what? Did not dig. Vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Here's what God says. I'm going to provide you with everything. I'm going to give you houses that you didn't build, food that you didn't prepare, uh, wells that you didn't dig. I'm going to give you all these things. And I want you to pull up verse 11 of Deuteronomy 6 again for me, please. I want you to go back to verse 11. I'm going to give you all of these things, none of which you did for yourself, by the way. God says, I'm providing all this for you. Now look at the end. Then, when you eat and are satisfied, go to verse 12, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Right? There, there's this idea, there's this running theme in scripture and it, it runs dead through the heart of American culture today. God gives us all of these good things and when we have eaten and been satisfied, be careful, verse 12 says, that we don't forget that it was the Lord that did it for us. Because it is so easy to forget. You're going to probably be like me and at some point on Wednesday or Thursday or, or if you're lucky, both, you're going to have this big meal. You're going to sit there with your family and, and maybe some friends and, and people that you love and you're going to share this time together and you're going to be sitting there with more food than most people in the world get in a week, by the way. You should just be reminded of that. And I'm not saying you're wrong for doing it and I'm not calling you a sinner because I'm going to eat a bunch of pumpkin pie too. But when you do it, Go back to that verse. Go back to verse 12. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 12. Be careful to remember that everything you're eating, everything you have, everything that's been given to you is a gift from the Lord. Now, here's what a lot of y'all do. I can hear your brains working right now. Oh, I work really hard, Adam, for all that food. I work my fingers to the bone. You know, I get up early in the morning. I come home late at night. I work at a, I get it. Trust me, I get it. But who gave you that work ethic? Who gave you the intelligence to do that? Who gave you the drive? Who gave you the opportunity to live in a country where that kind of stuff is even possible for you to do? Ecclesiastes 5.19 says this. Listen to the words of scripture. It says, when God gives any man... Wealth and possessions, which by the way, by being born in America by default, he's speaking to you. Okay, you're in Ecclesiastes 5.19. When God gives any man wealth and possessions and enables him to enjoy them, to accept his lot, to be happy with his work, this is a gift of God. You understand that? Wealth, possessions, employment, enjoyment, happiness, all those things are a gift of God from God. James 1:17 says it a little bit differently. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. God says, "Listen, I've provided for you. I've given you. I've allowed your family to be blessed in so many different ways. Be careful to remember That everything you've been given is a gift from the Lord. Now, verse 23, let's finish this up. 1 Chronicles 16 23, you have it on the screen. Sing to the Lord all the earth. 23 is important. You need to underline it if you're taking notes. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, greatly to be praised, and he is to be feared above all gods. Verse 26, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Here's truth number three, the most important one you need to remember this morning. We should be thankful because we have salvation in the Lord. Like if everything else went away, we should still find peace because of the salvation we have in the Lord. Look at verse 23 again. Pull verse 23 up for me if you would, please. Sing to the Lord all the earth. There's this idea of joy and excitement. Why? Tell of his, what's the word? Salvation from day to day. Built into this verse is this idea we should be excited We should rejoice because of the salvation of the Lord. And look at the first part of the second line there. Then we should be quiet about our salvation and never share it with anyone. Or maybe it says, tell of his salvation once a year just so we feel good about ourselves. That one hurt. I love what this says. We should be telling of the salvation of the Lord from day to day, like regularly. Like the idea that you've kind of received this incredible gift from the Lord and that you wouldn't then in, in turn give it to others is sinful. Like so many of us kind of get this gift from the Lord, this idea of salvation. We stick it in our, in our back pocket and we act like it's fire insurance. Like I'm good one day when I die. I know one day when it's all said and done, I'm going to heaven. I don't have to worry about anything on this earth anymore. I'm taking care of it. It's kind of like this insurance policy. That's not how the scripture sees it. The scripture sees it as this gift that we should share with others, sing to the Lord. Go to verse 24. Look at verse verse 24 says. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. There's this idea we should see the glory of the Lord, see all he's done for us, see his blessings, understand his salvation, and be willing to share with others, give for the sake of the kingdom, regardless of what it costs. Like the salvation that he gave us should drive us because it's eternal, man. It changes everything. It should drive us to want to do more and be more and act differently than we did before. But far too many of us kind of fall in this rut of having the idea of salvation, accepting Christ, sticking it in our back pocket, seeing it as fire insurance and never doing anything with it again. I I sat in the room with one of these dear brothers in South Asia and I hear their stories. And by the way, persecution in that particular part of the world is increasing. And persecution for them looks like being beat up, uh, put in jail. And you ask them, what is persecution? look like? They say the local people beat me up on a pretty regular basis. The police will come by and arrest me and put me in jail, keep me there for three or four days, realize they can't really charge me with anything and then release me. But it's still three or four days in jail. It's a scare tactic. They're kind of rattling their cages. And this one dear brother says, listen, I've kind of gotten to the point in my ministry where I can't really do anything in my local community anymore. It's just too hard. There's too much persecution. People are beating me. I'm getting put in jail. I just can't do it anymore. And I always try to kind of put myself in their place. Like, what would it be like for me? Like, what would it be like if I were that guy living in that part of the world or if the Lord kind of plucked me up and put me over there? And, and I have to be very honest with you. If that were me and I'd been through the beatings and the persecution and all the different things he'd gone through, being put in jail and all the false accusations, if it were me, I would probably consider quitting. That's just me. Like, I just think I might save the Lord. You know, I've I've done the best I can, Father. I've tried. I've given this to you. I just can't do it anymore. But you ask this dear brother, what what are you going to do about this? He says, well, I'm trying to save some money. $5 $5 a day. I'm trying to save some money. I want to buy a bicycle, maybe a motorcycle if I can save a lot enough. Why do you want to buy a motorcycle? Because I want to ride my motorcycle. And this, this, these are his words. 100 kilometers from my house. That's about 62 miles. I want to ride about 62 miles every single week so I can go to this particular area, this other province away from my village and away from the people that know me. I want to drive 62 miles every week, multiple times a week, so I can share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what he says. And I just think, man, what, what, what's wrong with me, first of all? Let's start here. Like, am I willing to drive 62 miles to share the gospel? Am I willing to walk across the street sometimes to share the gospel? Like, I, I think somewhere in, in the mix, and I'm not quite sure how or when or where, I think we've just missed it. I think we've missed the glory of the Lord. And I think we've missed the incredible gift of his salvation. He reminds us in this passage of Scripture. And so I want want to challenge you. We're we're kind of winding down. Just stay with me a few more minutes here. I want to to challenge you with something. I want to challenge you that this this break, first of all, Thanksgiving and leading into Christmas, and we're going to talk a lot about the, the incarnation of Christ and what it means for him to live among us. But this Thanksgiving, I want to challenge you just with a real simple idea, man. Eat all the food, enjoy it, take time off, watch football, do all those fun things. But be careful. Be careful to remember you have it because God gave it to you. Maybe spend some time in your home talking about that with your family. Dads, maybe lead a discussion with your kids about your thankfulness. Moms, maybe tell the kids about how thankful you are about all the food God has given you and all the ways in which he's blessed you. Kind of bestow upon your children this gift <laughs> that all, is done, all the Lord has done for you and all the ways in which he's blessed you. Now, one of the ways that we can be thankful, one of the ways in which we can be re- reminded of the goodness of the Lord is through the Lord's Supper. And so I'm going to ask at this point if, if my praise team would come on up. Guys, if y'all kind of come on up, make your way to the stage and, and kind of begin and we're going to do something this morning as we finish that. We're going to go into just a time of invitation, just an opportunity for you to pray and, and kind of consider and, and, and think a little bit about all the Lord is doing in your heart. I'm going to give you the opportunity to, to, to come down front if you want to in a minute and, and, and pray. But before we do that, I want you to hear a passage of scripture. First Corinthians chapter 11 speaks about the importance of the Lord's Supper. Maybe I don't have a praise team. I don't, I'm not sure where they are. Praise team. You're not going to hear me sing acapella in a minute. That's okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul, speaking of the Lord's Supper, he gives us this, this incredible warning, right? And this is what we ought to be doing. We're preparing our hearts here. He says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. So there, there are a couple of ideas to this. The first one is that you need to be a follower of Jesus Christ before you partake of the Lord's Supper. You need to have repented of your sins and accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's the first thing. But the second thing is you need to kind of prepare your hearts to make sure that you're where you ought to be with the Lord. Maybe there's some unrepentant sin you need to deal with. Maybe there's another person in here that you need to kind of get right with. Maybe, maybe there's some situation you need to work out in your heart between you and the Lord. You need to use this time to do that. You need to use this time to examine your heart to be prepared to partake of the Lord's Supper. Okay, so let me pray for us this morning. Father, we thank you for the opportunity of service. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to to hear your word, to be challenged by this truth, Father, to, to be reminded that we are so richly blessed. So many good gifts, Father, and yet far too often we miss the best, Lord, your love and your mercy and your grace and your provision, Father, and ultimately your salvation. So just help us to remember this break. Remember your goodness, Lord. Remember the provisions. Allow us, Father, to share that with our children, with our family, with our friends, with our neighbors. And Father, for the sake of your kingdom, will give us the strength and the courage to share our faith, to tell of our salvation day by day, to sing praises, Lord, to the nations because of who you are. Lord, use us. Do great things through us. And we'll praise your name for all that you do. Stand. Altar is open. It's an opportunity for you to respond. You can pray right where you are. You can pray down front. You can speak to me. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the contact us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.